This is the Nottinghamshire LMC podcast, here to educate, inform and support general practice staff in Nottinghamshire. Get to know about those who represent you, as well as all the latest information from Notts LMC at your leisure. Tune in and subscribe to our podcast today, hosted by me, Zenaida Morrison at podbean.com. You might be able to recall a time when you could get an instant appointment for just about any health concern with your local GP surgery. You probably had a great rapport with your GP and regular routine appointments with ample time to address your issues. The community doctor or family GP as once referred to was at the center of community health care and the pillar of hope for patients who confided in their GPs GPs who equally deeply cared for their patients' well-being. For some of you, this might sound a bit like an utopia, a page out of an optimistically written fictional novel. But for many of us, general practice was really at the centre of our well-being. Fast forward to today, and it's quite a different story. So where did it all go wrong? Well, that's what I hope to unpack. I'm a GP and I'm worried about my patients. It's half past four on Wednesday and I've so far dealt with 42 patients. Millions of appointments being made, but there are fewer of us to take them. There aren't enough of us to see all of the patients for long enough. And patients are suffering. We fear for your safety. And we fear for our mental health. That was a soundbite from a video produced by BB Partners, a media agency commissioned by the GPC British Medical Association and GP Defence Fund, who are currently working closely with GPs to run the Rebuild General Practice National Campaign. Joining me today is Dr. Katie Bramall-Stainer, Chief Executive of Cambridgeshire LMC and the Chair of the UK Conference for LMCs. She takes a central role as one of the campaign's primary spokespeople. Hi, Katie. Thanks for joining me today. It's lovely to be joining you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Very warm day, but um, we're going we're gonna to get into the thick of things and I think I'm going to get right into it. Of course, some people might be aware of what's happening with general practice, but if you can give us a little bit of insight into what the Rebuild General Practice campaign is all about, and if you can shed light on, you know, for listeners who may not know about some of the issues affecting general practice today. Of course. Well, I think as you um, as you highlighted at the start of, of the podcast, for many patients who might be unaware of what we're doing, they're probably all too familiar with how the services feel they have changed over the past 10 years. They might have lost their GP that they had a wonderful relationship with that provided them with that continuity of care. They've perhaps found it's much more difficult to try and get an appointment when they need one with their GP and their GP team. Uh, And they've probably experienced other difficulties with when they've had an interface with the NHS, such as, you know, in extreme positions calling for a 999 ambulance or with attending a local emergency department or maybe even accessing uh, a specialist treatment being on a waiting list. So, this is part of a bigger picture of, 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 of real pressures affecting the wider NHS, but in particular affecting general practice. Now, we're not as sexy as A&E. We can't be shouting adrenaline stat and, and, and stabbing tracheostomies into necks with biro pens and spitting out the lids across the room. But right. what we do might be a little bit, a little bit more uh, vanilla but it's no less important. And we see millions of patients every single day. And so little tiny changes to general practice have a huge impact on the wider NHS. And so rebuild general practice is about taking 
the grassroots GP voice from across Great Britain. And it's asking for support to rebuild what we feel is a completely fractured system. We're in crisis, but not just that, patient safety is at risk. That is genuinely our belief. And yeah. despite us offering more appointments than ever before, we've got a huge workforce crisis. We lost 1,400 GPs in April. Um, we've got growing patient demands. And obviously, that is a perfect storm. And that's what's creating an unsafe and unmanageable situation across primary care. Now, we all, we all, want, it, we all want the same thing, GPs and patients alike. We want mm -hmm. to give and we want to receive the best healthcare we can. But to achieve that, we've got to repair what's been broken. Now, back in 2019, before the pandemic, the government promised a workforce plan for GPs and the NHS in England. They promised there'd be 6,000 new GPs by 2024. Now, as of 2022, we're still waiting and we've got fewer. So that's what we're trying to raise the profile and raise the noise to capture the public imagination, to understand the importance and to try and shift uh, the, the narrative and to get this up the agenda in MPs' minds to try and get the government to be held to account and to call for more action. Absolutely. You know, we just played a, a snippet from the Rebuild General Practice campaign. So that was a video that you um, released last month uh, in May. And, and it really was a, a plea from practitioners about just how dire the situation is in, in terms of some of the things that you just mentioned. So like a lack of full-time equivalent uh, GPs and the fact that government has promised 6,000 plus and hasn't delivered yet, but also including things like, you know, the workload and the appointments. Presumably this appeal is, is, is uh, more targeted to government. How has the campaign so far helped to ease the pressure that grassroots GPs are facing? And, and more importantly, how does this translate to patient care and safety? I think those are really important questions. Now, of course, this isn't going to be an overnight cure. Uh, often when you have a treatment for something, the treatment can be just as challenging. Uh, but I think if anything, it's provided GPs and their teams with some sucker across social media um, and uh, across news channels and print channels that has maybe slightly already started to shift that narrative. One example mm -hmm. is on the front page of the Daily Mail, uh, just before the UK conference uh, earlier in May in York, there was a controversial motion uh, which was calling uh, on behalf of Avon LMC uh, to restrict core GP hours from nine until five. And, you know, listeners might think, what? That sounds a bit crazy. But actually, if you've got a huge workforce crisis, uh, then it makes more sense to separate out the, 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 the on-call session where you've got your managing urgent uh, patient demand and need on the day from routine, planned, long-term condition appointments, medication reviews, routine appointments and requests. There's no reason why practices couldn't uh, operate nine till five for those planned care appointments and operate eight till eight, eight till 6.30 for those unplanned care appointments. We want to create an environment that brings doctors back into general practice. And we kind of wondered how, it, when this hit the press, uh, how it would be treated. And you'd think, you know, people like the Daily Mail, would uh, this would be a bonfire for them. Actually, that whole front page, and it was a big front page headline, was incredibly sympathetic because it actually delved into the workforce crisis. It didn't mention anything about barriers to access, it actually spelt out in black and white the, the workforce attrition rates that we're experiencing. And primarily, I'm talking about GPs, I'm a GP, but any of us who work in practice teams understand how important it is with our GP nursing colleagues. And the situation is equally as dire there and in district nursing. So it really is across the board. Uh, and this is this is around holding the government to account for what they've promised. So there's three, three strands to this campaign. It's around the recruitment 
of, of, of GPs uh, and holding the government to their commitment. It's around, for me, a really important point is retention, because there's no point expanding your VTS training places uh, and trotting out figures of how there's an unprecedented number of people entering training for general practice if you then lose them as soon as they've qualified or they go off and retrain in a different specialty that's less intense, such as accident and emergency medicine. Um, you've got to tackle the factors that are driving GPs out of the profession, such as burnout. But yeah. finally, most importantly, is patient safety. And there's got to be a plan to reduce GP workload because by reducing GP workload, and we're not talking about the important stuff, the stuff we want to do, the, the stuff that really matters to patient outcomes, it's all the bureaucracy, the form filling, the, the management, the tick box exercises that take us away from face-to-face -face patient care, um, that will improve patient safety. So we want to try and deliver the general practice surface that, that patients and staff deserve so we want to give GPs across the UK time back to deliver the quality of care that they want to be able to give to patients yeah. whilst ensuring they are cared for by the right member of the GP team. You're, what, you're, what you are saying is that this campaign, what it is doing is it's raising awareness about some of these systemic issues, whereas we, we already know that a lot of criticism uh, came to general practice to GPs about you know not being accessible not having appointments for their patients which we both know isn't the truth that's right and we use the government's own data when when discussing it with patients but also yeah. uh, with MPs and, and with government itself because they can't deny their own data their own facts tell and spell out the picture um, and I think what for a lot of GPs and patients is a frustration is that I, and I always say each time the the GP appointment data comes out each month. Uh, CAMS LMC produces a poster for our practices to, to spell out how many hundreds of thousands of appointments were, were delivered this month by Cambridgeshire and Peterborough practices and what percentage of those were delivered actually on the day uh, and what proportion of those were face to face uh, to really spell out in figures, you know, how many, it was almost the equivalent of one in four people in this, in, in, our, in our system were, were, were being managed by their practice. But I always say, you know, on the months where it goes, you know, uh, 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 even more million appointments, I don't see that as a success. We see some people going, woo, go team GP. And I'm like, no, this is a disaster because the more access you are providing, the more appointments you provide, it's actually about quality, That's not, not quantity. Right. Yeah. It's right. around That's capacity. I actually want a good half an hour to really dig deep into a long-term condition review, undertake a structured medication review, really listen and understand those patients' concerns. Because only by properly grasping uh, the, the, the nettle, by only listening to that patient in front of me for the right amount of time, will mm. I actually be dig deeper into what's bothering them and maybe solve some problems before they deteriorate clinically into the position whereby they're going to need to have a referral, need to have more treatment, need to go on another chronic disease register. And so actually it's around preventative care. But at the moment, we're just firefighting, firefighting. and that's not safe. Yeah. yeah. And I think what you, you've kind of hit the, the nail on the head in that it ultimately comes down to patient safety, doesn't it? Um, if they're not getting the, the, the proper reviews that they need and the proper time they need to, to be reviewed, then ultimately you know, they're not getting the, the care that is, is needed for them. So thank you for that. The intention is that local medical committees who, you know, are, you know, LMCs, they are the representative bodies of general practice locally. Um, the intention is that they carry forward this campaign. As the rep for myself, for, for my LMC, I've been, you know, very close to this and understand the reason why it's important for LMCs to engage. But for those LMCs who may not be so close to this or simply don't have the human capacity to engage in the way that they would like to, I mean, we both know that no one LMC is the same. Um, talk to us about the decision to work with LMCs as the primary channel to cascade this information and how have they been engaged so far? So I think the engagement's been good. I think we've always got room for improvement. Uh, there is a really good website for rebuild gp and on it 
are loads of tools and draft letters that LMCs can use and share with their practices. So it's sort of been oven ready for them, if you like. And absolutely, we, we get that we're, we're, we're super stretched in LMC land, and we also feel a duty and a responsibility to our constituent practices because we know they've got no headspace uh, to take time out to meet with MPs, to speak on their behalf. And equally, if we try and write to those MPs, we're not necessarily their constituents. So they might not really want to always engage with us first off. However, if their constituent practices who you know manage and have good relationships and know many thousands of potential voters especially in those constituencies where there may be the mp doesn't have a, a huge majority and they're looking to try and secure their next election victory there's a real impetus here to use those template letters to write to those MPs, inviting them to speak with their representatives at the LMC. And only this Wednesday, we held a parliamentary briefing session. You know, about 20, 25 MPs came along. We, we yeah. met with each of them. We briefed them all. And one from my patch started off with their arms folded and folded and quite, you know, why, why is my constituents complained to me? And by the end, they were leaning forwards, giving me their mobile number. And I was saying, look, I can be your, I can brief you. I'm in your back pocket. Let me, let me advise you. Let me give you the facts in plain English that aren't covered and coated in a lovely CCG sheen, but are given warts and all. So you can ask the right questions from the right people, get questions raised in Parliament, raise the profile of this issue. It's really important to your constituents. It's really important to us. This is going to be a big issue at the ballot box. Right. We've got to capture MPs' minds, and there's no one better to do that than LMCs. There's 365 of us across the UK. And if you can have something done at the BMA at a, at a UK level, great, wonderful. But it's always going to be seen as a, the BMA, the trade union. They've got to balance out relationships between the consultants and the juniors. They've got to jostle for headspace and headline space. Yeah. It can only be stretched so thin. However, we are nimble. We are flexible in LMC land. We are different things to different people. We know our surgeries best and our surgeries know their patients best. Yeah, and as yeah. you say, no LMC is alike. We all have different, it's horses for courses. We have different things for different areas. So we might have good relationships with local media. We might have good relationships with local radio stations. We're in a really good position to articulate the pressures that our constituent practices uh, are under uh, and and many of us may be GPs ourselves and so we can speak firsthand about those pressures and I think that comes across much more genuinely from a local perspective and that speaks to patients in a way that perhaps a, a national blanket campaign doesn't. Yeah no that's really interesting that you did mention the, the parliamentary drop-in and we've uh, been working with our local MP uh, for Nottingham North and he's also the shadow minister for levelling up um, Alex Norris um, and we've been discussing this campaign and we know that he attended that so it's interesting to to hear from you the feedback and kind of the, the notable actions that came from that meeting. And there's a really good example on the back of that you mentioned the levelling up bill and that's right and uh, and I was speaking to an MP from Bedfordshire through uh, Rebuild General Practice, who'd got a lot of his constituents complaining about lack of access. And a lot of the issue was that there'd been big population growth, lots of housing development, no new GP surgery. And the GPs themselves were under increasing pressure with increasing numbers of patients looking to then finally try and close their lists because they just don't have capacity. And we were actually talking about how challenging it is for practices to get any capital funding now for their estates and their own surgery premises. And we all hear these lovely headlines around so many billion pounds to be spent on so many brand new hospitals. But actually, the NHS's own plan isn't to enter into these multi-billion pound PFI contracts with new trusts. It's about care in the community, closer to home. That's the long-term plan. And the levelling up bill is going through its reading stages in the Commons. And so it's, it's we've got an opportunity to try and uh, try and amend the draft legislation because unfortunately we, we have some concerns that it's going to make it harder for, um, for, for the integrated care boards to access those monies from those developers, so-called Section 106 monies. And so we actually 
have got this MP who's been very exercised by this, who's now alive to this issue, who asked a question in, in PMQs on Wednesday afternoon of Boris Johnson, specifically asking, will general practice monies for Section 106 development be protected under the infrastructure levy in the new levelling up bill? And the right. Prime Minister said, yes, it will. And we understand that there's now that understanding that there is an opportunity to redraft and make sure that we're not going to dis accidentally disadvantage health in terms of closing off those doors to potential pots of resource to, to fund what we desperately need across GP land because again Absolutely. we're less sexy a local surgery might not be as exciting as a brand new children's hospital or cancer hospital but it's no less important and if we can have uh, an urgent care hub if we can put diagnostics in like um, CTs MRIs uh, and x-rays it closer in the community to patients homes less far to travel easier parking more accessible that's just common sense and it's so much cheaper you get mm -hmm. so much more bang for your buck when you invest in general practice absolutely but katie knowing knowing all the challenges that you know the healthcare sector uh, across board is facing you know from recruitment to retention retirement training gps who no longer want to join the profession because it's it's a far cry from the the good old community doctor environment that uh, we once knew um to the consistent cuts uh, in funding, lack of resources, kind of bottomless workload, you know, that keeps on worse, that has worsened with the pandemic ultimately. Um, are, are we being realistic in believing that this campaign can, can really kind of leave a mark or even get the ball rolling um, in terms of avoiding any more hemorrhaging of the system? We have to be. We have to be optimistic about that and about that, that being a realistic prospect because otherwise, I, I wouldn't be investing so much time and, and effort in my career in it. Uh, and the reason why I say that with, with that degree of kind of slight arrogant confidence is that there is money. There's loads of money. Uh, it's just not coming into general practice. And so we need to be very alive to the government's agenda and work out how our ambitions can match their ambitions uh, and, and translate what we need into what they need. Uh, so let's take for one example, uh, commissioning outcomes uh, 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 we, at the moment it's about access we actually need to make the case for it to be around continuity and right. if we know we, we only what was only released this week at the NHS Confederations Expo in Liverpool Nikki Kanani spoke about how there is going to be a new contract in 24-25 we are going to look at new funding uh, formulas for, for general practice that will have a massive impact on rebalancing potentially and we also need to articulate the value that, for example, what continuity brings, because there's been evidence published. There was a wonderful article published in the New Statesman at the start of the year uh, around um, around how a doctor patient relationship of only two years uh, results in significant reduction in out of hours attendances, fewer emergency attendances at A&E, reduced risk of death. Knowing and being known by a GP is good for your health. And the British Journal of General Practice published an article last summer that showed continuity of care in GP means patients are a third less likely to use outpatient services and over 35% less likely to die prematurely. And there's a dose-response relationship. So it suggests causation rather than merely correlation. Yeah. And if there was ever, if there ever was a magic bullet to fix inequalities, to fix a&E attendance, this is it. If it was a treatment, NICE would be telling us to have it twice a day. So actually, if the government can't afford the numbers of hospital beds, which they've cut, which is why we've got those queues of ambulances, and they can't afford the social care, which is why we see the, the delays to discharge, then you've got all the pressure coming into primary care. Primary care's got to function. We can see that they want to cut outpatient attendances by uh, about 20, 21 to 24%. Well, if that's going to happen through advice and guidance, then there has to be a shift of that resource into primary care. We have to find innovative ways to enable that specialist intervention with consultants and, and wisdom to take place in our surgeries. So if we can make the economic argument for the investment in general practice, and a really good example of that is the COVID vaccination campaign, because 
you've got, you know, uh, 75% of the COVID vaccines delivered in general practice for 16% of the cost of the whole programme, that tells its own story. And so I think we've just got to make sure that the ministers are listening to the right people. Uh, because we've heard Sajid Javid come out with his suggestions around solutions of vaccination hubs and so on. Well, mm -hmm. very quickly, they've had those sorts of ideas before. And very quickly, they get redrawn and reframed back into general practice because commissioners know if you want something doing really you've got to get gps involved yeah. and i think we've heard also this week that they do still want partnership they appreciate that how much value it brings to the system fundamentally they can't afford to destabilize us too much so i am confident that the tide is starting to turn and certainly those of us who work with our ICS leaders, uh, regionally, locally and nationally, they get it and yeah. they are looking for the freedoms and the flexibilities that the bill provides, or the act now, as we should say, to, to actually shift some of that resource from trusts whose performance is deteriorating year on year into general practice whose, whose, whose performance is, is, um, is, is increasing year on year. Now, if we, um, you know, if we look at the baseline for productivity gains, if you look at simple measures like patients seen or the cost of service, then our productivity has doubled in the last 20 years. Whereas if you use the same measures, hospitals have declined enormously. So if you actually make the economic argument stack up, then Treasury starts to listen because actually it's Treasury behind all these decisions. I know this sounds very political, but I'm afraid health is very political. Well, you know, um, Katie, I mean, my understanding is that there, there has been as many promises as there have as many cuts as there, as there have been promises. Um, and understandably, there's apathy in the system at the moment. There's no denying that having a campaign like this is a positive thing and a good thing. But what do practitioners uh, at the grassroots, what do they do? in the interim? What do they do in the meantime? What are some of the, 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 the kind of little fixes that we can make whilst we are lobbying government? So the quick wins, I think, are around getting the media to dial down its toxic rhetoric and getting out there with a message to patients that your GP team is under immense pressure. Because I don't know about you, but when I was in surgery on Monday morning, the start of every single consultation was around slagging off general practice, slagging off the NHS, talking about how difficult it all was. And I think if it's what really gets to us is that relentless being done down by media, by our own, own sections of the medical profession, by right. other colleagues in, in other specialties. There's such a lack of understanding around what we do. And um, I think if we can we have made some really big impacts and an awful lot of uh, 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 screen hits and shares across social media, in Facebook and Twitter, local press, national press, radio, television, around dialing down that toxic rhetoric. And I think if, if we see a bit more kindness and, and that's translated into less abuse uh, from members of the public, then I think that will, that will provide a lot of help to those of us at, at the coalface uh, yeah. and I think that is something that can be done relatively quickly but we've got to keep on banging that drum it's not to say it once and leave it you've got to keep on because if you think how many months um, there has been an agenda to do us down well we need to persist and and be tenacious with this campaign because we're starting to really now uh, reach a bit of a turning point and we've got to carry on carrying on, if that makes sense, to really start to try and get in there to, to, to make inroads into really having an impact on, yeah. the, on, on the mass media. Yeah, that absolutely. will help GPs enormously in the short term. Yeah, I mean, just for us as an LMC, some of the things that, you know, we're thinking of is how, how do we how do we highlight uh, some of the other roles within the profession. So we're looking at things like additional uh, roles reimbursement scheme. Um, some of the other 
uh, roles within the profession that can support patients, but then also help to take some of that pressure off um, practitioners. So these are all kind of things that I guess we need to look into and, and, and see how we can kind of highlight that. Yeah, absolutely. I think fle- flexibility around the additional roles reimbursement scheme is the key thing I've been mentioning to ministers and MPs, because it's not any new money. You're not asking for new money. Because at the moment, if you ask for new money, everyone just switches off. But Treasury have already committed that fund. If they were actually to relax the bureaucracy and to increase the flexibility to allow practices and PCNs to recruit the staff they need and to recruit the staff they can, then that's going to make a big difference. And just like when you go to hospital and you might see a member of the consultant's team, you're going to go to your GP surgery and you're going to see the right member of the GP team. And that will depend on whether your needs are acute or chronic, whether they're simple or complex, whether you need continuity or whether you need access. It all, you know, we, we need to be the experts in how we triage our patients. And, uh, and that's the messages we need to get across. And I don't think we've been that good at getting those messages across. Yeah. Uh, and I think we've not been necessarily helped uh, by, you know, the, the term, you know, primary care. I mean, we use it interchangeably. Primary care means community dentistry and optometry and pharmacy, as well as general practice. If we say GP, we mean GP. And if we say GP teams, and I'm a GP team member, then you are part of the team that's delivering your GP service. And that's what we have to reframe it as, because everyone understands GP. Everyone, it's a USP. Everyone understands what it means. Everyone respects it. They know it's where it's going to be and what it's at. And actually, so long as there's that clinical oversight uh, then I think that's the important thing. That's what patients want to hear and what they want to feel confident of. All right. Well, thanks, Katie. How can LMCs and GPs reach you if they wish to, to get involved or require some advice or support promoting the campaign in their locality? Great question. So uh, uh, for LMCs, uh, I, would, uh, I would love to signpost them to the Rebuild GP website where you've got so many tools and resources on there and probably speak with your local LMC uh, partners. We've, we've got lots of increasing uh, networks that, are, that are, we're, we're building on that have been led in part by LMCs such as Nottinghamshire uh, and um, we're getting a real really good kind of national community feel now so so don't be left out in the cold you know come and come and speak to us so go to the website go onto twitter you haven't got to be on twitter you don't have to have an account or anything like that you just search hashtag rebuild gp and follow the at rebuild gp account and you will have all of those resources and signposting things at the at the click of a finger wonderful so what is your call to action for government and the public concerning the state of general practice today so the call to action is that uh, we are delivering more appointments than ever before, but nine in 10 of us feel that patient safety is at risk with the ongoing workforce crisis and an unsafe and unmanageable workload. And we're trying to raise the alarm. We need urgent action, but most of all, we need your help to spread the word. So share your support for Rebuild GP with local GP teams and your constituents on social media. Raise the workforce retention crisis with your writing to your local MP, uh, signing the the letters that have been published, the open letters, and and using the templates to write to your MPs and ministers to raise questions in Parliament. Write to the Secretary of State to raise concerns about the workforce crisis and the priority to deliver on the promise of 6,000 new GPs by 2024, and go and meet with Uh, 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 your GPs and your constituencies and encourage them to write to their MPs to use their LMC to be their voice to drive this campaign forward. Great so that's a that's a great summary there Katie. So thank you for for joining us today. Um, For LMCs, clinical, non-clinical staff in general practice or patients who wish to follow and support this campaign, as was mentioned earlier, you can do so by following at Rebuild GP on Twitter and visit www.rebuildgp.co.uk for more information. For any questions, advice or guidance, you can email the campaign managers at hello at rebuildgp.co.uk or press at rebuildgp.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.
Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the Nottinghamshire LMC podcast for subsequent episodes with me, Zenaida Morrison, at podbean.com. Bye for now.
and we want to try and remove some of those difficulties many patients have in trying to get timely GP appointments. So there's ridiculous government targets around access. It's got nothing to do with access. Access is the, the, the title, but in 2021, general practice delivered 367 million appointments across Britain. That's the equivalent of over six and a half appointments for every single person living in Great Britain. We are not funded to deliver that many appointments, let alone the number of prescriptions, investigations, pathology, radiology requests, letters, tasks, referrals that yeah. come on the back of that. So I think what My diagnosis is that we have a failing general practice system that the government is choosing to ignore and no one is willing to help. What we need is more GPs and the fantastic staff that make general practice and primary care what it is. We need to reduce the amount of workload that's coming to general practice. We need to be able to refer people into hospital without them waiting 18 hours to be seen because we all want the same thing. To, to give, give and receive, receive the best care. care.